0: Our founding fathers could have never imagined the government that we now have today. It wasn't what they intended. The government for the most part are uh, worker bees. They likely don't even realize who they're serving.
1: Whether you like it or not, you are a participant in these nine systems we're talking about today. And if you're not aware of that, then you are a match according to the laws of karma. You are matched to being abused and controlled by that system. That is exactly what the Fed has done essentially with the dollar bill that says debt note on the back. It's like some business that made a money printing company and tricked you into using their monopoly money. (laughs) Wait, what? (laughs) Reality is crazier than fiction, man.
0: So now we're going to get a little bit into like money supply, currency and banking, how this came about as well as, um, you know, kind of where we're at with things. So we used to have a more decentralized, very decentralized form of kind of like barter and trade. So I want you to like, just imagine you get transplanted back in time to like the 1500s, 1600s, right? You're mobbing around on horses and everyone has a gun because constantly have to worry about that. And you really can't have too much shit. You can, because you have to carry it and you constantly have the threat of being robbed. So everyone just has some stuff. And so, like, but what you can do is you can have skills and you can trade those skills or whatever it may be, crops, skills. But remember, crops can get stolen, skills can't. So uh, it's probably more practical. So let's say you, you can be a handyman or something or whatever, and then there's a woman and she's not very good with like physical labor, but she can provide more uh, nurturing services whatever that may be so w- there would be a lot of that it was peer-to-peer decentralized barter and trade but here's the thing while many of you listening well some of you listening to this are probably like let's go back to that <laughs> like <laughs> it's like that uh the the first first world problems right like when you're raised with such privilege and entitlement you actually think like let's go back to that it's like really You sure you want to go back to the 1500s? No, we need to go beyond it, actually. Exactly. We would have the same
1: system in 10 years that we have today if we were snapped back to that kind of barter and trade system. In 10, 20 years, the same companies would own everything, we'd be back to where we are. Exactly.
0: Yep. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. And we'll get probably we should get into that. But so what I want to kind of demonstrate here is just being realistic. Once again, we need to understand history before we start acting like we know everything about every conspiracy and we just want to focus on regurgitating YouTube videos. But it's like, can you even tell me a realistic background of like where we came from? So, you know, that's kind of how things were. And, uh, while some of you may think like, that's great, let's go back to that growing our own food, blah, blah, blah. It does have serious limitations. So let me kind of break it down like this. When a group of people lack a centralized or agreed upon form of currency. So I want you to think about it. Like it's 1500 and, um, I'm trying to get Aaron to like repair my door because, you know, some Wild West dude dropkicked it, and I'm not very good with my hands. And he, and I'm trying to pay him with, like, my fresh cow's milk. <laughs> and he's like, I'm lactose intolerant, bro. I don't want your cow's milk.
1: And I'll take like, cow's well, milk
0: all day, bro. Well, yeah, but let's just say. so then <laughs> So he doesn't want the currency that I'm trying to give him. And because we don't have an agreed-upon centralized form of value, that we refer to as currency, it poses a lot of issues at scale. A people, an economy, cannot prosper without a centralized form of agreed upon currency. Hopefully we can understand that. It was a serious advancement for us to go from, hey, I have 10 radishes. Can I trade you for a chicken? Like that was currency, but there was no agreed upon barter. So like it introduced unnecessary complexity and civilization, as we know it, couldn't innovate and scale to its highest potential because of that. So introducing, you know, an actual centralized form of currency. So we start using gold and metals as a form of barter. And this is a huge advancement. Because at least we can all agree now that, you know, this gold has X amount of value. And now we have some sort of calibrated system, but this is extremely limiting as well compared to what it could be because you can't haul much gold. Gold is very heavy for anyone who stacks gold, you know, so it's very limiting in terms of you can't haul it around and also its size. Um, if you have any meaningful worth in gold, it takes up some serious space and it's heavy. And so what came with this? Well, everyone had to carry guns. You constantly had to be ready to use them and defend yourself, um, or you'll get robbed. And so you know that was the initial purpose of banks, which I've talked about, right, um, Aaron? If you remember me showing you, I think it was uh, 12 USC 1431, uh, the the thing about the powers and duties of banks. Do you remember me showing you that? And nowhere in there did it say lend. So right. initially, that's because banks weren't meant to lend. They were supposed to just be like holding houses, like because yeah. it's not practical to carry around a few, you know, dozen pounds of gold you put it in the bank and you you get the iou that that was what it was supposed to be so anyway that was kind of like um the next iteration and then that brings us up to jekyll island so finally dun, dun, we, dun. yeah <laughs> <Light> <laughs> and i've talked angles. about that before but uh amazing book on it the creature from jekyll island um i believe it's by edward griffin i believe yeah um so check that out uh, i would recommend the audiobook it's very dense Um, So anyway, finally, we have a select few families. So I want you to take yourself back to a time when we're in that gold situation I'm talking about. It's heavy. It has serious limitations. There is, I'm an entrepreneur, right? So I'm always thinking in terms of disruption and innovation, how can I take something being done and do it better? How can I improve society, right? So it needs to be cheaper, faster, more integrous, more efficient, whatever. So it makes perfect sense to me. I mean, we're, we finally have a currency that's agreed upon, but there are serious limitations with it. it. It's not really good at scaling. It still has to be carried and transported. It's really fucking heavy. It has to be defended. So now you need like militia and uh, protection and armed vaults and all that, right? Um, bank robberies. And then for the citizens carrying it, that, that's a serious issue because now everyone needs a gun and you have to deal with that. And so there's, there's issues there just to give so, some reference to that
1: Jeremy before we had this third bank uh United States Federal Bank set up that you're about to talk about in Jekyll Island there was two other attempts before that uh, the first one failed after like 20 years because the american people realized what the banks were doing Which is, you know, all all a bank has to do is say, "Hey, I can just loan out more IOUs than I actually have gold, and nobody will know, unless, of course, everyone demands their money back at once. That'd be the only way they could know." Run on the bank, and so when that would happen, America did find out that they were doing that because that's what happened. Everybody panicked from the market crash. Said, "I want my money." The bank said, "Oh, we don't have your money," and then they overthrew the bank, and then six or seven decades later the second attempt at a united states federal bank was set up and then andrew jackson the seventh president he had a huge um vendetta against the banks because he knew how corrupt they were and he said we cannot allow a central bank in this country and he like single-handedly overthrew the second united states federal bank i think he even executed some of the bankers for their for their uh, crimes against humanity and whatnot so Jekyll Island was now the third attempt from these central banking families to centralize all the monetary power in one spot, and they figured out how to do it the third time by basically tricking the public into thinking that it was their bank, right? It's the Federal Reserve Bank of the United States. It's it's our bank. And the third time is when it
0: finally worked. Something about doing things in threes. huh? Eh? Magic number. <laughs> it's interesting. There's some legal implications there. For sure. So uh, appreciate that context. That's pretty, that's pretty dope. I didn't have a full background on all that. So finally we have a select few families. <clears throat> I'm just going to name a few Vanderbilts. We've got the Rockefellers. We've got the Rothschilds. Probably familiar with some of these names. So we have a number of these families. They secretly come together. They have a secret meeting on Jekyll Island to come up with the formation of some form of centralized bank as aaron said this had been tried Um, they made sure to learn from the uh, mistakes that had already been made they needed to um, be more clever in how it was presented uh, use a bit more propaganda a more sly approach they wanted to create a central bank that would print and control all of the united states money supply um, superseding the government itself. So I think this is a good opportunity to um, kind of demonstrate what what I, we've been talking about, where it's like the government gets blamed for a lot of things that have nothing to do, well I'll say have little to do with the government. Like when the Fed, the Fed is basically select few banking cartels, uh, banking families really, and If they decide to do X, Y, and Z, the government gets blamed. But like the government is like their number one borrower. Like the government is in debt to the Fed. I just want you guys to understand that. (laughs) Uh, When you see when you see the government do anything
1: from now on, you should see it as the central banks doing that thing through their puppet of the government, right? Yeah. Uh, The government is in debt to the Federal Reserve Bank, the central banks. And that means that uh, it's basically if if you're in debt to someone, you are their asset until you pay off that debt. So the government is like another asset in the central bank's wallet, right? Mm -hmm. So they're they're the ones calling the shots and making all the decisions. Because why? Because the government's their debtor. So now they have to do whatever they say until they're not their debtor. And that's why they want this huge debt limit to just keep going up forever and forever. So this control can keep happening. When you see this debt, oh, $31 trillion in debt. Like 90% of that is debt to our own bank. Yes, exactly. And that's yep. not our debt, right? Not, not your debt or my debt. No.
0: Yeah, and that's where you want to look uh You want to study 18 U.S.C. 8 until it really clicks. I'll just leave that for y'all. We'll put it up on the screen as well. 18 U.S.C. 8. So their plan, obviously, they're like, look, instead of trying to have to deal with the government, we're just going to supersede them. We'll create this relationship where... You know, they wanted to invent this um, fiat currency and kind of it would be presented. It's 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 just like what happened in 2020. There's this problem, and then it's presented as this amazing solution. I'm not even going to use certain words because I don't feel like getting a potentially shadow banned. But um, you know, there's a problem. I believe it's called Hegelian, Hegelian. dialect or whatever. Hegelian. I mess up yeah. the first word. Hegelian dialect. Yes. So same concept, right? So there's. There's an issue promoted as the amazing solution and people don't see the backhanded intentions. So at first it seems great. Like at first I would have been like, hell yeah, this is going to be awesome. You know, it's a huge advancement, innovation, but what are the intentions? Who's actually behind this? Where's the money? So, um, you know, that's kind of how that went down. This essentially trapped the government in a position where still to this day, so that's 1913, still to this day. Our government doesn't get to do what it wants. For example, you can't you can't just get, let's say, for a lot of people, a Trump into the office and think he's gonna drain the swamp. He's gonna, he's our savior. And it's like, how'd that turn out? How'd that turn out? Why? Because they don't really have that much power. You don't understand how this stuff works.
1: Yeah, it's like, like it's it's not even that the government doesn't have enough power. The government is president. the banks. Yeah. Like they are the bank. They're just it's just another front for the bank. When we yeah. talk about the Hegelian method, like there's problem reaction solution. Yeah. These are the systems that they work on, right? The problem is created by the institutions, whoever wants who has a motive to make money and profit will create some kind of problem. And then the media controls the reaction we need a blankety blank medication for this immediately because this is killing people. And they're trying to control the reaction. The public follows suit. And then the government plays the role of the solution. Oh, we are your saviors. Here's the solution. Right. It's just a ring of cooperation.
0: Right. So that'll, that sets them up for a situation where they're like, all right, we're going to do what's in the best interest of our people. We're, we got your back. We're going to pass the policy. We're going to get it passed immediately in the house or in the Senate. emergency act. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting, uh, and I think a lot of people are seeing through that. I, I just twenty twenty backfired. So, but anyway, yeah. So this kind of all took place in um, nineteen thirteen, and and since that time, fun fact, um, the dollar is worth exact almost exactly thirty times less than it was before nineteen thirteen. Wow. Um, so in other words, one dollar in nineteen thirteen is worth almost exactly. 30 dollars today am i saying that the other way around no you're right it's like you know no, that uh, is it's just a gallon of gas like yeah. a gallon
1: of gas in the 50s was five cents and now it's five dollars you say right, oh, right, look right, how right. much gas has yeah. gone up no 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 the currency has gone down right, right. A nickel could buy you a gallon of yes, yes yes five decades exactly. ago like that was a powerful nickel right yep
0: yeah so a dollar went a lot further back then and um None of this started happening until the creation of a federal reserve currency. So once again, if there's a, I mean, there's a lot of themes today, but one major theme I want to express that's more um, tangible, it's not, it's nothing crazy, is that if there's one thing humans do, it is innovate. We are, it is in our DNA to grow, to evolve, to aspire for more, to build. We seem to not be able to help ourselves. For better or for worse, that's where we're going towards. If it means we cease to exist, then it means we cease to exist, but that's what humans seem to have to do to push it. And as we push it, there are pros and cons to innovation and disruption. But one of the things that has to happen as we innovate is centralization naturally occurs. The aggregation, because it's way more efficient when you're dealing with large bodies of people to deal with centralized systems. It is efficient, it is convenient, it's much more easy, it reduces complexity, which makes it possible and scalable. That's all great. The Fed was, from a certain angle, justified and rationalized as well-intentioned because it did do that. It made it a lot more simple. It's way easier to track numbers that each have their own barcode and they're super fucking light and flimsy and most money is digital now. It's easier. It's way easier. So it it can be a more efficient system for more people, but at what cost? So the recurring theme here That's worth noting is that every time we have a new proposal, a new innovation, a new technology, a new system, whatever it may be, you want to kind of ask yourself, basically you want to do a pros cons analysis because usually centralization, it gains us convenience and a lot of times makes things cheaper, which everyone immediately buys into like cough, cough, stimulus. People love free money, cheaper shit. But they don't look over here. Why is it cheaper? At what cost? At the cost of your privacy, at the cost of decentralization, at the cost of now it's like 10 times more likely that this institution over the next few decades becomes corrupt and hijacked. Like that, those are the risks, counterparty risks we run when we centralize power. Because now, It's impossible to hijack a decentralized system. I don't want to say impossible because actually nothing is impossible statistically. uh, It's just highly improbable to hijack a decentralized system, whatever it is, because there are so many things you would need to control and hijack and manipulate and suppress that it just wouldn't work. It would be too complex of a job to do that. But when power gets centralized, now... That becomes pretty appealing to bad actors, if you will, because once, once power is centralized, now you just have one target to go after. And if you got enough money or you got the right strategy or the right art of war, power dynamic tactics, you can probably pull that off. And then people refer to that as Illuminati because <laughs> <'cause laughs> that's it's easier with that. Yeah, it's just
1: easier, but I've heard you make this point as well that you know, banks, for example, used to have real gold. That was the idea. Get, bring your bars of gold in, we'll keep them in a safe and we'll give you an IOU, you can exchange it any time. And then over time, they just had the paper IOUs and no actual gold. And then now we're just all exchanging debt notes. And then after a while now, it's just like a ledger on a computer. You take out a loan from the bank and someone on a ledger just writes you know, 150K. And then now we're trying to move to a digital currency system where they, there's literally no money at all. And it's like, can you see why there's this movement from reality to illusion? It's because if one person or, or system controls this one thing we all need to live, and they can just print infinite amounts of it, it's like, not only is this not gold, it's not even paper, it's not even digital, Money's whatever I say it is, because I print it, I create it. That's what they're trying to do to create this form of enslavement, right? So cryptocurrency is one example of a response to that, which says, hey, Let's make a currency that is impossible to inflate by making a finite amount of it and it's never allowed to be printed ever again. Now we have something decentralized, right? That can't be controlled in that same way.
0: Yeah, yeah, those are great examples. And exactly, crypto is, at least a lot of crypto is an antidote to that. So that was really an insanely high level chess move um, for them to just supersede um the government and just be like yo look we'll be your money printer it's gonna be really convenient for your citizens like most of them are gonna have no fucking clue what's going on they're not they're not gonna understand how inflation works and that we're slowly siphoning their money from them over time um and then like you guys will be able to be in permadebt to us we know you're already bankrupt so (laughs) we're not gonna your secret's safe with us we're not gonna tell anyone we'll continue to loan a bankrupt company with nothing on its balance sheet (laughs) We'll continue to loan it endless trillions of dollars. And um, as long as, you know, we can keep this relationship hush hush. And it's lasted over a hundred years. Eventually the U S goes off of the gold standard and things really shift. Now the dollar has no peg, it has no intrinsic value. And if you aren't privy to how this game is really being played and how the fed has managed to get everyone in debt to them. The citizens and the governments doesn't matter. And the banks cuz like so the the central bank trickles down to the banks. Then the banks divvy out to the citizens. But the central bank also divvies out to the government. So like literally everything commercially is below them. Um, we we can only ever be in debt to
1: them and they can never be in debt to us because they print our money, right?
0: Pretty much, yeah. That's a simple way of putting it. So, um You know, if you're not privy to how the game is really being played once they took us off the gold standard and how the Fed managed to do this and how the wealthy work around this reality, you find yourself successfully in a situation in which by merely existing year after year, you have more and more and more of your wealth siphoned from you. And there's nothing that you can do about it just by existing. That's it. And for most people, they're existing on a salary or hourly based fixed ish income. So you're making 60K, 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 60K over a five year period. Maybe they're small increases, but the dollar is worth 90 cents, 80 cents, 70 cents, 60 cents, and rent costs 1,000, 1,100, 1,200, 1,300. Things are just getting siphoned from you more and more and more. And the incentivization at a base system level, like the first principles of how the system works, it is incentivized to print more, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: not less. That's why really the only solution would be to the Fed would have to cease to exist. We can't have a Fed if we really want these issues. Yeah, exactly. So. Using the analogy, Jeremy, of the the
1: nickel being worth a gallon of gas in the 50s, you could like imagine if your grandpa was time-traveled from when he was 18 or whatever in the 50s, and he was time-traveled to today, and you're walking around showing him what 2023 is like, but his financial currency from his world goes with him to your time, so that when, when you go to purchase a hamburger, it costs you five bucks, and then your grandpa goes to purchase it for a nickel and gets the same hamburger. All of a sudden, you're like, yo, grandpa's loaded. Like, grandpa can buy us a a house for $50,000. Like, let's just give grandpa the money. He'll go buy it for us. That's how much purchasing power the dollar had in his day. And so we're saying this is what the Fed has done to our dollar that we have to survive on Is they've devalued it so much through all this corruption and stuff. And it's because this is literally a business model, right? Mm. Like Jeremy said, Federal Reserve is a private for-profit corporation that's regulated by Dun & Bradstreet like any other private for-profit company. So I have a screenshot here I'll put on the screen of the Federal Reserve Bank of Chicago, for example. This is their Dun & Bradstreet profile you're looking at. Well, how could they have a Dun & Bradstreet profile if they're not a commercial business? It's because they are, right? So if let's say this would never happen because nobody, the Federal Reserve would never sell their company to anyone, but hypothetically, let's say McDonald's buys the Federal Reserve Bank tomorrow. (laughs) And then McDonald's <laughs> takes over the money printing and now we all have McDonald's bucks and yeah. they're printing them out. And we're like, I'm not paying for stuff with this piece of trash and you're burning it and stuff I'm not paying with McDonald's bucks. That's not real money. That is exactly what the fed has done essentially with the dollar bill that says debt note on the back. It's like some business that made a money printing company and tricked you into using their monopoly money. And we're all none
0: the wiser, right? Literally. Yeah, it is. It is crazy to like really sit with that for an extended period of time. Like, (laughs) wait, what? (laughs) Reality is crazier than fiction, man.